I always remind myself that my success is not only for me, but it's for the people that are coming behind me. What would I be showing those artists that send me messages saying they look up to me if I gave up? What would I be teaching my sister? You know, what would I be showing my family? And what would I be telling my future daughter that, oh, I used to be this amazing makeup artist. I even had an Emmy on my resume, but I quit. I can't do that. Welcome to the Friends in Beauty podcast, a safe space for ambitious beauty industry creatives to have real talk, get real answers and practical tools to grow their businesses. My name is Aquia Robinson, and I'm a makeup artist, beauty educator, and the creator of Friends in Beauty. I created Friends in Beauty to support like-minded creatives, just like you, on their quest to connect, network, and build genuine relationships within the beauty community. Join me every week as me and my special guests reveal the keys to success and longevity in the beauty industry, and most importantly, have fun while doing it. You ready? Hey, it's your best friend in beauty, Aquia Robinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Friends in Beauty podcast. So today in the Friends in Beauty guest chair, we have Brittany Rogers, a professional makeup artist based in the DMV area, which is D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, if you don't know, and also serving New York City. So fun fact, Brittany was my makeup teacher when I attended Bennett Career Institute, and she definitely helped to jumpstart my career in this industry, for which I am forever grateful for. I just knew I had to have her as my first guest on the show, and I can't wait for you to hear this interview. So let's jump into her official bio. Stunned by the physical and emotional change she witnessed in her teens when a professional makeup artist artfully transformed her mother during a difficult time, makeup for Brittany was love at first sight. That experience, coupled with her love of painting, drawing, and fashion, inspired her to practice makeup on her friends and family and seek formal education until professional opportunities began to present themselves. Brittany says, as an artist, makeup is a tool I use to help my client express her inner beauty on the outside. To date, she has worked with cosmetics and lifestyle brands such as Revlon, Cream of Nature, BMW, Essence and Nylon magazines, and television projects, Insomnia Nights, Kringle in Time, and Emmy Award-winning film, Rivermint, and also New York fashion shows for Byron Lars and Emerge Brands. In today's episode, we talk about what inspired Britney to want to become a makeup artist and how she discovered her love for the TV and film industry, as well as how you can get started in TV and film and what to expect. We also talk about dealing with family and friends who don't support your dreams, how she keeps her mindset tough, and how she's coping during the COVID-19 pandemic. So let's get into it. Welcome to the Friends of Beauty podcast, Brittany. Thank you. I'm so excited to be on. I'm really, really excited to have you, um, honestly, because when I first started, when I first thought about doing a podcast, I knew for sure that the the intro episodes I wanted to have people who have influenced my career from like the very beginning, and of course, you're one of those people because you were my teacher. <laughs> And a lot of people don't know that until I actually tell them, like, you know, Brittany was my teacher. And you were so young at the time. I remember, like, thinking, like, this young girl, what's she about to teach me about makeup? But you taught me so much. You gave me a foundation um, to go out here and be the best that I could be. And 
just from the experiences of like you taking me and some of your other students along on jobs that you had and everything, it really helped. It really helped a lot. So I'm really appreciative to to have had you as a teacher and to have built a connection with you over the years. And thank you for being here. Of course. I'm so excited. So before we jump into like the main like meat of the interview, what I want to do is do some, um, what do you call it? Uh, icebreakers. Some okay. icebreaker questions, just so the, um, the listeners can get to know you a little bit more. It's like nothing to, like nothing about beauty at all. Cool. All right, so give us three random facts about you. I have nine siblings. You almost, you almost there with me. Girl. I got like 11 awesome. or 12. So you feel me? <laughs> yeah. What else? I love coffee, but I'm sure everybody knows that because I always post coffee. Um, and I'm an, I'm actually a nerd. Like I read all day, every day. I never really scroll down my timeline. All I do is read. I'm a nerd. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Always in learning mode. Always something to learn. Oh. Um, so fill in the blank. I'm most happy when... When I'm taking a... No, I'm not going to say that. I'm most happy when... I'm drinking tea. I love drinking tea in the morning. I was going to say taking a nap because nap makes me happy. Naps make me happy, but tea is my thing too. I think naps would have been my answer because I thought about it for myself too. Like, what am, I'm most happy when I'm taking a nap or, you know, <laughs> that's good. All right. So the, what's the best compliment you've ever received? Your intro. Oh my gosh. That was such a good compliment because... Uh -huh. I was so young doing that job, and I honestly had not a thought in my brain. So to know that I actually taught you something and I did a good job was a compliment. I felt myself getting teary-eyed. Oh, my God. Of course you taught me something, girl. Of course. And look, every time I tell my story, like I always tell people how I used to go to the bathroom and have, like... <laughs> I was like, I don't know if Brittany do, but I used to go to the bathroom and have little moments with myself because I used to beat up on myself so hard of not being able to get it like real real quick but you agree let's see the other one it, what is the emotion that you have trouble controlling worry i have major anxiety like my worry can just i can have one single worry and then it will lead to like 10 but lately i've been learning how to manage it so worry yeah okay all right that's a that's a different one you gotta stop worrying, girl. You gotta age yourself. I, I'd rather be worried than like just popping off at the mouth because there was a time where I would say anything and mm -hmm. I did not care whose feelings yeah. it hurts. <laughs> Growth. All right. <laughs> yes, indeed. And the other one is if you weren't a makeup artist, what would you want to be? I think I would be. A child therapist, like a psychiatrist or something. I really like the study of little kids' brains and seeing how they develop. So probably something like that. Psychiatrist. Awesome. Well, that was the end of the random icebreakers. <laughs> so we could definitely jump in and just start chatting. I really, really want to know like about your journey in the industry. Like when did your first interest of makeup emerge? And where did it lead you? 
Well, when I was 11, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And as a form of her treatment, she was in this program called the Look Good, Feel Better program. And basically, it's a program that's designed to treat, uh, teach women who are going through chemo how to do their hair and makeup. Mm-hmm. So there was this makeup artist who came to our house with all of this stuff. Like there was a big black box. It was a Chanel box full of makeup, right? Right, Chanel? Chanel. I, I would never forget it. I kept one of the compacts just because. Um, an empty one after my mom had used it. But um, that was my first time seeing a makeup artist. So from there, I didn't really know it was a career, like it could be a career. So I just started like collecting little makeup and my mom would take me to the mat counter every now and then. And in high school, we had to do a a project about our dream career. And that's when I started to discover, okay, makeup is really a career. So once I graduated, I started attending Bennett Career Institute. My family was like, listen, girl, they really wanted me to go to school, you know, go to college, everything. But um, that my heart wasn't there. So they told me, OK, you can go to Bennett. And if you haven't shown us any success within a year, you have to go to school. I went to Bennett and that just kind of like launched my whole career. And now here we are 10 years later. Yes, that's awesome. So after you graduated from Bennett, what was next? Did you just put yourself out there? Did you start freelancing? Did you work for a counter? What did you do? Well, once I finished the program at Bennett, I started working in a salon. Okay. I worked on MLK in Southeast. (laughs) Okay. If you're from DC, then you know, like, okay, MLK. Yeah. Like what is a makeup girl doing down there? But you would be surprised. I did all the club girls on Friday nights. I did lashes. So I started at the salon and then I came back to the school mm-hmm. and I was Mr. Bennett's assistant for a while. And then I transitioned into being the program director for makeup. And then I went on to become the instructor. Mm-hmm. After I became the instructor is when I started my freelance journey. So mm-hmm. it was maybe about like three, four years before I really began freelancing. What are some of the opportunities that you have gotten freelancing that stand out to you as like some of your proudest moments? The first one would be the State of the Union address. Uh, That was January 2019. I got a random email from somebody. They said they found me on LinkedIn and they needed me to come do the shoot, but they didn't give me many details. So I didn't think much of it. I thought it was just like a random commercial. So I get there. And we're on the top of this building and you can see like the White House, you can see all of DC. And so I'm like, okay, what is this job for? And he's like, oh, this is the State of the Union address. Are you serious? And he's like, yeah, this is going to be where they, you know, come back and forth to do the in-between commentary. And I was like, no way. So that was definitely a highlight for me. That's amazing. I, I was shocked. Like, wow you're really getting some big work now. Mm-hmm. But in my younger years, maybe when WPGC called me and they had me do that event every year, the Operation Pretty and Polish. Remember, you used to yeah. do it with me. And that was a big thing for me because I couldn't believe that they trusted me with so many young girls who didn't have the opportunity to get hair and makeup for prom. So to trust me to bring out other artists, that, that was a big moment for me. And to have you guys there with me, knowing that you supported me and you believed in my vision was very big for me. And I think I had to be like, what, 20 years old then? 
Really? I think I was like, tw- I wasn't 21 yet. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, you're such a baby. We didn't go grow up, girl. So everybody says that. And I, everybody says that. For a long time, I was really ashamed, not ashamed, but afraid to share my age because I was blessed to get a lot of big opportunities in between mm-hmm. the ages of what, like 17 and 21. Right. So when people will find out how old I was. They were like, are you serious? And it was like, they were almost offended. So I stopped telling my age for a long time. Yeah. Because you didn't want people to like prejudge you based off that, of, yeah. That happened several times. Totally get it. So how does your family feel now about your your makeup journey and your career? Because, you know, they had that kind of ultimatum with you when you decided to go to beauty school. But now that you, you know, reached a certain level of success, how do they feel? Oh, they love it. My grandfather is always passing out my cards like, oh, this is my granddaughter. She can do your makeup. My dad is the most proudest. And I would say he's the most proudest because he was a barber and my mom was a nail tech and that's how they met. So for me to be a makeup artist and do something with my hands, he feels like in a way I'm keeping the creative legacy going. Yeah. Not doing hair but you know I'm still in the field so my dad loves it that's super cute I'm the only as far as I know I'm the only like makeup artist in my family Mm -hmm. I'm the only one who will come to a party with makeup like I have a couple of hairstylists but they don't work professionally you know they just do hair yeah I'm the only person in my family that's in the beauty industry so that's really cool that your dad was a barber and your mom was a nail tech. So they should get it to a certain extent. My dad did. My mom had a hard time adjusting. And I think it was due to the fact that when she was my age, well, a little younger in her early 20s, and she was a nail tech, it wasn't looked at as a career that could get you anywhere in life. And then she had me. So, you know, everybody told her, get a real job. So I don't think that it wasn't that they didn't support me. They were just worried. They mm-hmm. weren't sure if I could make it off of doing makeup. Right, right. What advice would you give to people who are going through that situation right now where they want to pursue a, a serious career in beauty, but the, their family and their friends, like their closest supporters are like totally against it. Like, what would you tell them? You just got to trust yourself and have to understand that nobody is living your life. Mm-hmm. You know, your mom's legs can't walk your mountain. So if that is something you want to do, being in the beauty industry or whatever, if they say they don't have, if they're not supporting you, keep pushing. And sometimes it's not even that they don't support you. They're scared right. or they just don't understand. So I remember there was a time that I got a full-time job for about two, three years because I felt like it was the right thing to do. And I was so miserable. And I promised myself I would never compromise my happiness for what somebody else thought was the dream. Keep pushing. So what are some of your business values when it comes to dealing with your clients? Treating them with respect and kindness, showing up on time giving them uh, a quality service. That's it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's all I can think of. So as a freelancer, what are some of the jobs that you do now? Now on a day-to-day, I do a lot of TV and film jobs. 
So a lot of commercials, um, public service announcements, a lot of those uh, medicine commercials you see <laughs> where the people are like happy, jumping rope like <laughs> double dutch, but it's telling you all the bad side effects. Like, I was just talking to somebody about that today. Like, oh, please don't take this. You might get a, oh no, take this but you might get a stroke. You might have a heart attack. You might have a headache. You might not like all of these things. So you do those yeah. commercials. So I do those commercials. Uh, prior to COVID, I was doing a lot of politicians. Um, so anything TV and film is pretty much what I've been doing the last maybe like two years. Okay. And how'd you get into TV and film? Okay. So my first TV and film job, somebody posted on Facebook that they needed a makeup artist for a movie. So I said, oh, I could do that. And they pulled me and they paid me. I had never done TV and film, but I figured I do makeup well, I can do this too. Mm -hmm. It was horrible. The makeup looked horrible looking back. Now that I know TV and film, it was really bad. So that was my first TV and film job. But luckily, by the grace of God, I got another shot. Not with that company. Uh, maybe like a few months later, I was out of town. And I got invited to a dinner for a rap, for a rap, um, it was a rap dinner for another show. Uh -huh. And there was a producer, a producer there, and she asked me, oh, you know, like, what do you do? And I told her I did makeup. And she was like, oh, okay, because I'm looking for a makeup artist for this film that I'm producing. And I was like, oh, okay, I can do it. I was so nervous, but... I really wanted to start in TV and film and I was determined to learn everything I could. So I had about like a month and some change to learn all I could about TV and film makeup. Uh, we worked on that job for about a year and that film ended up winning an Emmy. Really? Uh, mm -hmm. That was my very first, I would consider like big TV and film job. That was only my second film. My first one was that, but that was my first one. It's been on HBO. It's been in so many award, like, um, not award shows, but what do you call it? Festivals, film festivals. Mm -hmm. that What's was the name of it? It's called River Mint by Shayla Raquel. Okay. So we have to look that up so we can see. Yeah, it's a dope movie. That's really, really cool. Oh my gosh. Hold up. I'm trying to process this because the film, the second film that you worked on won an Emmy. So that just really speaks to just kind of just going with the flow sometimes. Like somebody, you, somebody saw you, presented an opportunity, you did it, and it was amazing. And if I'm being honest, the first job, the first film job that I got, the pay was really good and I needed the pay as a freelancer. I was just coming off of quitting my full-time job with only like $600 to my name, which was mm -hmm. so stupid. So I needed the money, but I always look at that opportunity like that was God shifting me in another direction. I never had any desire to be in TV and film until I got into it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I really love this. Yeah. So for people who are trying to get into TV and film, what are the steps that they need to take? How do they go about looking for jobs? And like another question on top of that, how is the aesthetic different from doing like a client and doing TV and film? If you're trying to get into TV and film, I would suggest first researching that side of the industry, learning the set jargon, because the terms that we use on set is so different than working on a bridal or fashion. Like, for example, if you have to go to the bathroom on set, you don't say, hey, excuse me, I have to go to the bathroom. You say 10-1 and you walk off. So it's, it's things like that that you need to know. So you definitely want to research. 
And then I would say assist, assist the artist who works in TV and film, because there's a lot of pressure working on that kind of job, you know, because if you're working on a live show, once that makeup is on there, it's on there. You mm -hmm. may never know when the next time you'll have to step in. I mean, you have the monitor, but if they're moving slow on time and you don't get last looks yeah. and you're not able to touch up and it looks bad, that's your ass. Right. So assist first. It's like a trial run. You get to learn all the ins and outs without having the pressure on you. So definitely assist. And then once you start learning a little more about TV and film through assisting and studying, then you can move into working on student films. Student films are a great way to network and also just learn the ins and outs and to build your reel, which is like your resume. So it's not R-E-A-L, it's R-E-E-L, which mm -hmm. is like a resume, but full of clips. Right. And actually the movie that I won a, well, I didn't win the film itself, like the whole crew won an Emmy for, that was a student film. Nice. And the good thing about that was I did a lot of student films with American University. So that one was through American. So once I worked on Rivermint, of course, all of them on the set had to shoot their theses. So I just went down the line and did everybody, everybody's theses. And you have to be okay with doing it for free, especially in the beginning when you need to build your reel. Now, right. by the grace of God, I did get paid for those films. But there were some films that I did for free just to build up my reel and to get experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do you determine which um, projects you want to work on for free versus the ones that you pay, you get paid for? Well, I have a series of questions, a long list, and I don't care if I'm annoying, but I ask, like, can I read the script? Um, what is the makeup going to be like? How many days are we going to be shooting this? I would ask, is it paid? Is it non-paid? Where do they end up? What, what do they see themselves doing with the film in the future. Is it mm -hmm. going to be on a network? Are you putting it into film festivals? So just things like that to see if it's really going to benefit me. But right. if this is one of those things like, okay, I need to learn, then I'll just, I'll take it. But yeah. it all depends. I'm glad you mentioned those questions. And I wish I would have known that back in like, I think it was 2014 or something. I worked on my first film. And to this day, I still have not seen that film. At one point, they would just send the emails over and over saying like, oh, we're still in the, um, like the editing phase and we're doing this and that. And this is six years later. Is it six years? Am I doing my math right? Six years later and I still have not heard anything. The girl from the film, I think she was like 12 at the time. So that means she must be in college and oh, wow. doing her thing by now. So that's really good that you have a list of questions. Um, to ask Thank you. and you mentioned networking so you know I have to ask about networking because that's just my thing um can you talk about how networking has helped you um when it comes to tv and film because you mentioned like you know the students and you worked on each individual person's film how has networking helped you in your business so far I probably wouldn't have a career in tv and film if it wasn't for networking because most of my jobs come from the last set so it's really important to network and learn the crew because they're going to be the people who will refer you to another set. So somebody that I met on American University, he was the camera operator. Mm -hmm. I started having a conversation with him. And then he branched off to build his own um, company. And we did a, document, a, doc, a documentary <laughs> for about a year. So that was a good paying job. So 
not being afraid on set, not being shy, and walking around and talking to the crew. Because most of the time, you're on set with a crew of between maybe 10 to 60 people, depending on the job that you're working on. But mm -hmm. you have to know the right place and time to talk to people. So it's not going to be while we're rolling. It'll be not going to be while we're setting up. But maybe on your lunch break, instead of sitting with the normal makeup table, go sit with the lighting department. Right. Don't go sit with the client, but sit with the lighting department or sit with the camera operators or the PAs, you know, the production assistant. Mm -hmm. So work the room. I was going to ask you, how would, what are the hours like when you're working on TV and film? The hours are crazy. Majority of my days consist of 12 to 16 hours a day. Okay. So anytime I have like a six or a five hour day, I'm like, yes, it's long. It's, it's a long day. I tell people it working in TV and film is a lot of hurry up and wait, be patient because once you do the makeup, you're literally sitting watching a monitor or sitting in your trailer or wherever they assign you, you're sitting there for hours. Mm -hmm. And is it typically just you on set doing makeup? Or are there other makeup artists on set too? It depends on the job. So sometimes there'll be maybe three or four of us because sometimes they have makeup artists who do um, the main talent and then they have makeup artists who do the background. They may have somebody coming in to do special effects or prosthetics. So it all depends on the job. But my everyday jobs, it's normally just me. Mm -hmm. Maybe two other artists, but between me and maybe two other people. As far as the makeup goes on set, do they give you direction as far as how the character is going to look? Or do you have any input in coming up with how the character's makeup is going to be? Or is it just straightforward? Like they just give you direction and like, that's it. Again, it depends on the job. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll work with producers and they'll say, hey, here's the mood board. Here's exactly how we want the makeup to look. This is what we're thinking as far as lip shades. Like they'll have it all broken down. Sometimes I'll work on sets where they say, hey, Brittany, can you read the script and do a script breakdown? And that's when I can just go through and say, oh, okay, she was crying on the bus stop. She's crying at the bus stop. Does she have more makeup? Is her mascara running? So then I can go through and write down how I think the makeup should look for that character. Mm -hmm. Or let's say they say, okay, she has uh, a mullet and she wears all black and chains you're immediately thinking oh she's emo so now you're going to look up what does emo makeup look like so it depends so when i get jobs like that i really go through and read the script a few times to see what is this character like and what will her makeup look like and then i'll go we may have a meeting and then i can present that to the producers and we'll have a dialogue you know go back and forth about what we think the makeup should look like if it's just a regular politician or let's just say um a client interview i mean i'm just getting the camera ready so taking down the shine maybe doing like a little eyeshadow a little blush just to make sure that they look appropriate on camera nice nice and for people who don't know about tv and film what is the pay like because you know we want to know about the coins you don't have to tell us exactly like what you get paid but what is the pay process like and like do they make it worthwhile does is it worth your your time sitting there for 12, 16 hours? It's worth your time. In Maryland and, well, the DMV area, the starting rate is, I want to say between five and $600 a day. Mm -hmm. And so as you progress in your career, of course, you can ask for more. So you're getting paid a day rate. Mm -hmm. So if 
you're working maybe let's say what let's pull out the calculator so I can get accurate if you are working you're working 10 days and you're getting paid eight hundred dollars a day that's eight thousand dollars I need to calculate it for that. <laughs> That's $8,000. So you do make a lot of money. That's more than somebody would make maybe in like a week or two, two weeks. And you made that in maybe what, 10 days right. or three days at $600 a day. So it all depends on, you know, what you establish, what you create as your day rate. Now, the only back into that is depending on the production team, most jobs are between net 15 and net 30, meaning that you get your paycheck 30 days after production. But then there's also a trick to that. Production can end, let's say, today, which is Saturday. Mm -hmm. But if you don't submit your invoice until next Thursday, that's when the 30 days start. It's worth it. You get paid a lot, but not in the beginning. You, you got to work your way up because mm -hmm. I was talking to somebody recently and she did a Netflix special. And she said, oh, girl, we got paid $3,000 a day. Oh, <laughs> point me in the direction of Netflix. Point me in the direction. Okay. I want to get that $3,000. And I feel like Netflix probably has a lot of work right now because every time i'm on netflix it's always a whole bunch of new like netflix originals mm -hmm. all, like like international net like domestic all types of stuff so netflix i can okay netflix yeah it was because who she was working with too i can't say who she was working with because it's, mm -hmm. it's a really big person also the other good thing about um working in tv and film that i like let's say if your day rate was one thousand but they go overtime depending on the job and if you're in the union or not you can get overtime pay mm -hmm. so one time i got paid like an extra four hundred dollars just for 30 minutes i was like oh my gosh yes you need me to stay late any other days right i was like y'all want me to stay a few more minutes <laughs> i got you <laughs> whatever you need right <laughs> i was going to ask you about the union too is that something that you're considering I am currently doing all of my paperwork for the union. It's a process. It it's is. It's scary, too, because you have to have, I think, 120 days of work, meaning you have to have 120 call sheets. You have to do a portfolio, but your portfolio can't consist of any retouch images. So you're giving just straight images of clients that you've done. You also have to have part of your book be special effects and bald caps because if you're working on a set and they say hey we need um him to have a black eye we want him to be bald and we want them to have uh, a full beard that's not hair anymore that's you if it's mm -hmm. from here and up the neck and up that's now your department so you have mm -hmm. to know how to lay facial hair do bald caps and any types of like black eyes, wounds. Of course, if it's something major, then they'll have like the prosthetic team come in, but for small cuts and bruises, mm -hmm. that's something you have to know how to do. So you have to give them 120 days. I believe you give them two reference letters um, and then you have to send them your book, your portfolio. But like I said, it's not like your regular port. And then you submit it to the board and you either get in or you don't. And if you don't get in, they don't tell you what you did wrong. They just have to keep doing it until you get in. And then once you get accepted, you have to pay a $3,000 fee. Mm -hmm. so I'm currently in the process of getting my book together. 
And one thing too that I didn't realize, because at, at one point I was interested in TV and film. So I was trying to put all of my stuff together that I gave up because it, it is a process. Uh -huh. But if you do both like hair and makeup, what I didn't realize is like you have to choose. You can't go into the union for both. So if you have a love for both, you're going to have to make a decision on what you want to go into the union for. Right. Yeah, you can't do both. And mm -hmm. honestly, it's easier to get into the union if you do hair. Mm. The requirements aren't as detailed as makeup. I can see that. I can see how that, that could be, totally. And I think a lot of hairdressers just don't apply for unions. So there was a time, maybe like last year, the year before last, mm -hmm. they were just letting hairstylists in the union. They had a lack. So they were like, girl, just come. Come on. Oh, wow. Hey, I wish I would have known. <laughs> I could do a little something, something, you know. I'm going to be honest. Any job that requires me to do hair, I kind of cringe. I'm like, oh, no. I can do it, but right. it's not my favorite. True, true. What are some of the challenges that you deal with in your business now that you, you know, you're seasoned versus the challenges that you had to deal with when you first started? Okay, this is going to sound really silly, but I didn't carry a set bag with me on set. <laughs> That was something that like changed my life once I started. So I didn't know that when you're working in TV and film, you have to run behind these characters all day or actors, you know, sometimes you have to um, move in different areas and you need to touch them up. So I would just have like this little Zuka bag full of makeup in my brushes. Uh -huh. Not like you can say, hey, come off set for me real quick. No, you got to jump in there. So having that bag and keeping my snacks and the makeup <laughs> and everything else, that was something that really helped me out. Um, behind the scenes, asking questions, keeping a list of questions. What I started doing every time there was a mistake in my business, like let's say I didn't ask if we had a company move, meaning I didn't ask, okay, are we going to go to a different location today? And then we're going to two locations and I'm on set like, what? So I would just start writing down what I would consider my pain points. Mm -hmm. So I would know next time I have a job, here's the list of questions that I need to know in order to come to this. So. Right. And, and those are just all things that seems like you just learn from experience. It's like sometimes you just never, you would never know certain things unless you, unless somebody tells you or unless you experience it. Exactly. Because I know for me, I, I'm like an overthinker by nature. So I'm already, like, if somebody tells me they want me to do a job, I'm already thinking about all these different things that might be required of me, and then I get there, and it might, it, it's not even as serious yeah. as I thought it was going to be. And that's the thing with this type of job, with TV and film. Sometimes you can get on set, and you have your makeup packed for this particular look that they said they wanted. But then next thing you know, it's like, oh, nope, we're going to change the look. So in a good way, in a way, being an overthinker is good with this type of job because I pack everything sometimes I come with like two three bags and I don't even need that but you never know what does your kit look like for a tv and film versus your traditional I'm just going to clients look because that's one thing I always get on my students about when they come to my classes they have more makeup than I even own so I would imagine I'm just going to tell them for now on like you probably should go to tv and film because you got everything like, what does your kit look like for TV and film? Um, do you carry different type of brands and stuff? I do. Um, I carry a lot of foundations, a lot of foundation palettes, small palettes that I can throw into my set bag. 
majority of my jobs, you can't really use like glitter or any type of shimmer eyeshadow. If it's just like a day-to-day -day interview and stuff, you don't want to use shimmer because that'll make the camera bounce. So I have a lot of like uh, disposables, of course, because you're working with several people, powders and any type of anti-shine. So there is no shine on camera. Plenty of palettes, lip palettes, and waterproof makeup, uh, anything to cover tattoos. So that's not something I would usually carry, you know, in a regular kit that I would take for like a wedding or a client. It seems like you have to pay, with TV and film, you have to pay a lot of attention, a lot of attention to detail and you have to kind of be like a perfectionist. How would you recommend people go about strengthening like their skill set as an artist to be able to deliver on set? Practice, practice behind the scenes, watch a lot of TV shows. Like I watch a lot of like low budget films or even big budget films to see like, okay, this is how the makeup looks for that. Or, oh, wow, it's raining. That's how they changed their makeup for this. So really studying, assisting, working on student films because I mean, you never want to mess up, but if you mess up on a student film, it's not as bad as messing up on a big paid set. Taking classes, for sure. And with COVID right now, we have all the time in the world to get on people's live, uh, take their online courses. So, so you, you mentioned COVID. COVID. You know, black, why black people, we always got to make stuff sound fancy. COVID. <laughs> and I was trying to make it sound nice, but lately I've been saying Miss Rona, Rona in the yeah. street. You know, I'm trying to, like, put on my professional tone today. <laughs> Girl, you can let it all hang out here on the Friends and Beauty podcast. Okay. But speaking of COVID, um, how has life, how has business changed for you um, during this time? Honestly, it feels like just another slow season to me. Mm -hmm. Because there are times when work can be extremely busy, and then there's times when work can just get slow. And as the freelancer, you know to stack your coins for rainy days because you never know what can happen. A job may get canceled. And if it's like a, what, 30, maybe 10 day job, what do you do? You know, so it feels just like another slow season. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so grateful that my mentor, Crystal Wright, taught me about like saving and putting away your money and preparing for slow seasons. So the only adjustment has been I'm not used to being in the house this long and sitting down this long. So the first week or two, I was like, man, I need to go outside. What do, what do I do all day? Mm -hmm. I'm usually sitting somewhere watching somebody speak for like 12 hours. So what have you been doing to keep yourself busy? Reading, taking online classes for branding and marketing because I feel like I need to up my Instagram a little bit. Okay. So I'm trying to learn about social media world, sleeping, eating, ice cream. <laughs> I hope you're working out too. I have been working out. I did. Um, not consistently. I think last week I worked out like three days. This week I just took a few walks. Mm -hmm. But I do need to keep working out because on a um, regular basis I go to boxing and then go to the gym. So when COVID hit, Rona, let me let me stop calling it COVID. Miss Rona, <laughs> when she pulled up, you know, I just let everything loose and was like, all right, I'm asleep. I'm gonna eat all this ice cream. So 
just trying to find some structure now. <laughs> I was, I am determined to come out of quarantine snatched. Okay. So I've been working out yes. <laughs> because it's easy. Like when you're in the house, it's just easy. Like just to eat, just to chill, go to sleep, all of that good stuff. So I've been really, I've been doing really good with being productive and everything. Hence starting this podcast that I've been sitting on for quite some time and other things that I've been sitting on and not really feeling like the pressure of having to get it done like immediately, just kind of like letting it unfold on its own has been really, really cool. And just being able to sit with yourself for a little bit and hear your thoughts because I know like in a in a normal day or a normal month to month basis with just grinding for your business he kind of start to lose sight of like what what was I doing again like what was I okay but during this time I've been able to like really sit and really figure out what I really want to do so I'm enjoying it I have been enjoying it I feel bad saying that but I have been enjoying it mm-hmm I mean, I enjoy the time, but not the the actual reason why we got the time. I'll say right, that. right. I feel now. I will say, child, this this thing got me a little paranoid. The first couple days, I was like, oh no, nobody can come over. No, I'm sorry. I haven't seen my grandparents in like a month, and they're mm-hmm. going nuts. But I'm like, listen, I don't even want to pull up in the driveway. Like I'm I'm serious. So mm-hmm. FaceTime it has been, but. I've been enjoying the downtime. Like you said, just getting still with myself. I love to journal. So I've been having so much more time to journal and just read. Mm-hmm. And do you use like journal, journaling prompts or you just kind of free write? I free write for the most part, but if I come across a good journal prompt, I will mm-hmm. jump into it. Nice. Do you have a morning routine? I do. What's your morning routine? Because I know that just looking at different successful people, all, it seems like all successful people have a consistent morning routine that they do that just kind of jumpstarts their day and like makes them like super duper productive. So what is your morning routine? My morning routine is I wake up now. I try to wake up between like 6 and 6.45, but some mornings it's like 9.30, <laughs> 10, you know, but that ain't no problem. As long mm-hmm. as I do the routine, it's good. So I get up in the morning. Um, I pray as soon as I wake up, I go in the bathroom, wash my face, brush my teeth, then I'll go make tea. Lately, I, I now usually I love drinking coffee in the morning, but I've been trying to cut back. So I've been drinking tea with uh, fresh ginger and turmeric, green tea. Um, then I like to turn on like some meditation music or like a sound bowl, Mm -hmm. sound bowls. I'll light a candle or turn on my diffuser. I will meditate for about 15 minutes. Then I journal. I do like a mind dump. So I feel like at least two pages of whatever comes to mind. So nothing is off limits. Um, And then I do my devotional. So I'm currently reading Unshakable by Christine Kane. And I just read a passage every morning, uh, read the scripture and just pray. But I write all my prayers down in a prayer journal. Mm -hmm. That is my morning routine. Nice. I love it. Do you really feel like it make it, it makes a difference? Like if you don't do your morning routine, does it make a difference in your day? It does. It does. I feel so off if I haven't done my morning routine. Mm-hmm. So I have to, like, I don't care if I wake up at 9.30 and I got to be out the house by 10.15. I'm going to do my morning routine. I have to do it. It's just like, it centers me. That's my time of the day where I get centered. 
if I have a job and I got to be there at five, I got to wake up at like three so I can do my morning routine. And I like to spend like an hour and 30 minutes with myself if I can. But if I don't have that, I'll give myself at least like 30 minutes. How important do you think mindset is um, when it comes to running a beauty business? Oh, your mindset is everything because you're only as good as you think you are. A lot of people don't know that your thoughts will block you from doing so much. And then if you don't have a... Like grounded? If you're not grounded or if you don't have a good emotional hygiene in a sense, like the thing, the things that you do to take care of your inside, whatever brokenness is in you will multiply in your business. And maybe that is like you have no handle on your mouth. And next thing you know, you going off on clients you know what I mean so it's really important to take care of your mental health and seeing as though this is a business where you get told no a lot it's easy to take it personal so Mm -hmm. you just gotta really stay grounded nice what are some things that you do to keep your mindset like tough prayer um I pray a lot I go to church I love church worship music Mm -hmm. meditation journaling therapy so that's how I keep myself emotionally strong. Reading. I love to read. And I always read read a book for whatever I'm going through at the moment. Okay. So if I feel like, okay, I haven't been compassionate with myself, I'm going to read more about compassion. So really not being afraid to challenge yourself and look at the parts of yourself that aren't at 100%. Mm-hmm. Nice. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. That was, that was amazing. Is there anything that you still doubt yourself on? Because I know that there's a mis- misconception that the the more successful that we get, it just seems like they just don't have a, a care in the world. Like everything is just great. Um, do you have anything that, that you still kind of doubt yourself on? Oh my gosh, yes. I doubt myself on doing podcast interviews. Uh, <laughs> anything, I have to speak. anything, any live, anything where I have to speak, I always get really nervous because I had braces for years. Mm-hmm. You remember when I had braces? Yeah. And it put a struggle on the way that I spoke. So I still have, I'm, look, I'm getting nervous now. I still <laughs> tend to get self-conscious about my speech at times, so... That's been a struggle for me. And it's more so nerves because then I'll do a live or do a podcast or whatever, just go speak to a class and they'll say like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. And I'm like, really? You yeah. made it It's never, it, it really never is as bad as we make it up to be in our heads, for real. It really isn't. That's so true. It, it never is. It's like, once you do it, it's like, what, what was I waiting on this whole time? That was great. Let's do it again. Yeah, right? <laughs> Are you going to ever get back into teaching? I think so. It's been a big request for a while. Okay. But I was just so focused on strengthening myself and trying to navigate the shift in my career because going from doing bridal and clients is a big transition into TV and film. And I didn't want to teach anything that I didn't really know how to do. Mm -hmm. Because when I teach a class, I wanted to be of value like I really want you to walk away like wow that was great so yes to say the answer your question yes I have like if you all give Brittany enough requests she'll probably do it I have been working on some classes Rona kind of 
you know, threw a wrench in the whole plans, but I'm really excited for outside to open back up so I can drop this stuff. Yes, definitely. So what else is next? What's next for Brittany Rogers? Aside from leveling up in TV and film so I can get that $3,000 a day pay rate, <laughs> on the personal side, I'm working on a brand called BTS with Brit, which stands for Behind the Scenes, where I take artists behind the scenes of the industry to inspire and motivate and educate them. Um, so it's going to be a YouTube channel. So we've been shooting content for that since like September of last year, because it's not your average, like, hi guys, welcome back to my channel. I'm really taking you into my job. So mm -hmm. that that's it, BTS of Brit. And then BTS of Brit, the podcast. Ooh, look, yeah! It's a whole brand, but it's a lot that goes into it because with the YouTube channel, like I actually have a production team for it. So it's a lot. And I, I, I don't want to just shoot one episode and say, here it is. And then nothing else after that, you know? So we've been taking the time to just build up this content. So BTS of Brit the Brand. That's what's next. So when is this dropping? Because I'm excited now. <sighs> the videos, I want to drop them by September. Okay. I mean, not only will it be on YouTube, but there's another platform. There's a subscription service that comes with it. Mm -hmm. I'm telling so much. I'm getting all the exclusive. Yeah, all the tea. Give it to us. The podcast, although we've recorded a few episodes, because I I want some extra things added, I'm going to be honest, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe I'll do a few solo episodes and drop it later in the month or next month. But mm -hmm. nice. my vision was to be in a studio because, you know, it's behind the scenes. Well, we look forward to seeing it. I know I do. I'm excited now. And I always tell people, you got to put a date to it. You got to put a solid date. You have to put a date to it. And you know what? You just motivated me to put a date to it. Because the guy who's producing my podcast, my engineer, has been like, uh, excuse me, you know, the Judge Judy meme. Like, what? what's going on? So it's one of those things where I just got to get out of my mind. So you have definitely motivated me. So I will put a date to it soon. I probably shouldn't even said it. Nope, you should have said that. It was perfect that you said it because now we're gonna be looking for it and we go we go hold okay. it accountable. Okay, it's coming soon. <laughs> we can't wait to see it. So before you go, I want to ask you some friends and beauty rapid fire questions. So just answer like the first thing that comes to your head and just let us know what you think. And so the first one is what are the top three keys to your success? God. Patience, being humble, humbling yourself to learn and to say, I don't know, and to be open to new opportunities. How do you measure your success? I keep a list of the things that I've got the most value from. So just, I call them small wins. And even if it's something like I got a new client. So just keeping a monthly or a daily log of small wins is what mm -hmm. I've been doing because there was a time where I only measure my success by if I had a BMW or not. I don't have a BMW, but just being happy about the small things too. So everything counts. Totally. I totally agree with that because the small things add up to the big things and mm -hmm. everything is a stepping stone to the big goal. I mm -hmm. love that. What's the best, the best advice you've ever received? Two things. The first was from Mr. Chet Bennett. <laughs> it doesn't matter how good you are if nobody knows it and the second is from crystal right she said you have not because you ask not love both of those 
what advice would you give to somebody right now who is just ready to give up and throw in the towel on their their dreams of being in the beauty industry don't give up because you may be one job away from your breakthrough mm-hmm. i hate to make it so simple but you there are many days that i've cried that i've said you know what forget this i am getting a nine to five like don't give up because after every breakdown I had, there was a breakthrough waiting. I think I get, I, I think in my head, I, I'm, I'm about to get a nine to five like every month. Like at least once a month. I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to get a job. <laughs> I'll be about to get a job. But I'd be fooling myself if I did that because I hate working for people and it, it just wouldn't work. I'll be miserable. So mm-hmm. I just got to keep on pushing through. We all have those thoughts of like, you know, quitting, but I always like to say too, like, I feel like it's too many people who are relying on me to win so that they can feel like, you know, they're winning. So I can't give up. That's another thing. I always remind myself that my success is not only for me, but it's for the people that are coming behind me. Mm -hmm. What would I be showing those artists that send me messages saying they look up to me if I gave up? What would I be teaching my sister? You know, what would I be showing my family? And what would I be telling my future daughter that, oh, I used to be this amazing makeup artist. I even had an Emmy on my resume, but I quit. I can't do that. So. Yeah. Yeah. And what's a resource that has helped you tremendously in your business that you can share with the friends and beauty community? Mm. Crystal Wright. I mean, that's, I know if y'all listen to my lives, I talk about her all the time. But when I tell you, Miss Wright, she's the truth. Child, she snatched me up and snatched me together, okay? I did a personal se- a personal one-on-one session with her for a few months. The best, I'm a blank, blank, blank money I have ever spent. I mean, it was a lot, but it was worth it. Like, even before our coaching was over, I was booking jobs. Like, I got a job with Tori Birch in Harper's Bazaar from working with her. It was an assistant job. That's why you don't see me post it, because I can't mm-hmm. post it. But crystal right best investment you ever make so definitely check out crystal right she is a trusted reliable resource for a, a bunch of the big names that you know um that we all know in the beauty industry definitely check her out if you're not familiar with her and i'll leave her information too that you mentioned her i'll leave her information in the, um in the show notes for sure so one last thing i want you to fill in the blank okay okay so my name is blank and the key to longevity in business is blank. My name is Brittany Rogers, and the key to longevity in business is faith. We love it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brittany. Tell, tell everybody where they can find you after this interview. You can find me on Instagram at underscore Brittany, B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y, Rogers, R-O-G-E-R-S, and the same on Facebook, Brittany Rogers. Yay. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this was amazing, Brittany. Thank you so much for blessing us with your presence for the Friends and Beauty podcast. And we look forward to seeing everything that you're about to do. This BTS with Brittany, all of that. So keep us posted. Will do. I'm going to go start working on it right now. I'm going to call everybody because now I'm like, the pressure is on. <laughs> we love to see it. Thanks for listening to the Friends in Beauty podcast. Don't forget, sharing is caring. 
Share this episode with at least one friend in beauty and subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts so that other friends and beauties can find this show. Plus, we'd love to hear your feedback. Connect with us on all social media platforms at Friends and Beauty, hashtag Friends and Beauty to join the conversation and join our Friends and Beauty Facebook community to stay connected. Talk to you soon.